Hey, Mark. Hey, Tom. Thanks for coming. Do you use a washcloth? No. I'm on the face. Is it good for the skin? Absolutely not. If it gets to the point where I have to take a shit on this thing, I'm hoping it explodes. That's Freak City. Specifically for cleaning the ass. I never thought of that. Piss on me, beat me. If I wore this to wake up my children, it would be immediate therapy. A lot of men doing it is nothing to be ashamed of. This is awesome. What is awesome? I'm gonna fucking puke. This is going to cost you something. Privy to some non-consensual ass play. <laughs> so the whole family shared one bar of soap. Yeah, and you would put it in your ass. That's disgusting. Interesting. It's hard for me to not believe that racism's not involved with this. Yeah, I'm not watching here. Uh, I'm Whitney. I'm Duncan. You also got really fucking dressed up. I'm so happy we actually got to connect. I'll try it out. In case you missed it, you can stream 69 minutes now at ymhstudios.com. And I'd just like also like to give a shout out to her for coupling up with me after seeing all these open sores on these dicks. It was you know what time. I've noticed so far is I uh, don't want to be a woman or a doctor. You don't want to be either. Welcome to Dr. Drew After Dark. Please be advised that Dr. Drew After Dark may contain sexually oriented content and be unsuitable for young children. Hey everybody, welcome to Dr. After Dark. Guest today is Chad Daniels, new special mixed reviews available on YouTube now. That's right, that's what I'm talking about. Thank you back there in the booth. They're, they're important fans. They reflect <laughs> everybody's feelings. Uh, latest album is Twelfth Night, premiered in October of 21, and uh, appreciate you being here. Thanks for having you, me. You are a friend of your mom's house. and uh, Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been a, about a year since I've been on, but good to be back in Austin. Good to have you. And your, your partner, your girlfriend right now is, is a friend of ours. Uh, Kelsey Cook. That's right. Who is someone we I've had on a couple of times here okay. for various reasons, okay. and I've played foosball with uh, her. Best of luck. You know, I always thought I was an. If you guys don't know, she, Kelsey is like a nationally ranked foosball player. Yeah. And if you didn't understand, there is such a thing. There is such a thing. Yeah. And that her parents were professional foosball players. Right. Are they still? Is there such a thing? Yeah. Still? Yeah. You don't age out yeah. at a certain. So point? her mom is in the international hall of fame. <laughs> It's it's wild. And you see Kelsey and you go, oh, she's too pretty to be good at stuff. And then you play her and then you lose. It, it's not just that she's too pretty to be good. It's that you can't beat. She fucking slams that ball oh, yeah. past you like a, like with violence. Yeah. It's, she's too pretty to be that violent is what it is. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. yeah, I get that she has skills, but no, the ball just practically blows through the back wall of the of the board. Yeah, it's intense. And when well, she, she moved to Minnesota last year. Wrists of fury, there she yep, is. Absolutely. Yeah, so she moved to Minnesota last year, and as a thank you for moving to where I live instead of me moving to where you live ah. present, I got her a foosball table, and what a mistake that was. Oh, my God, is she up there? Uh... I mean, she just dominates me. Every, it's like <laughs> I just bought something to be bad at. You know, if you, if you look, uh, you'll find me in that one of those episodes. It was a few years ago. And, uh, and, and again, I thought I was like an okay player. I just, I finally just like, I'm going to walk away. That's ridiculous. Well, there you go. So, yeah, there we are. Risk of Fury. That's actually where we met. The first time we ever met was on her show, Risk of Fury. Oh, that's interesting. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And so I was in a relationship. She was married. N nothing really. I mean, we just like met, did the thing. That was it. Friendly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like and then, along, and then we, now that we're together, and we started a podcast that just came out today, and she, we're getting messages like, I knew this was going to happen. We could tell on that first episode. She was smitten, and you were nervous, and like all this stuff. 
And then you go back and watch it and you're kind of like, oh, maybe. Yeah, so everyone's like, the chemistry was outrageous. Everybody knew before you guys did. Oh, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. What's the new podcast called? It's called Pretend Problems. Pretend Problems. Yeah. And it's about your relationship? It's, yeah, just about our relationship and how sometimes people will, you know, uh, start fights just to even out the power dynamic in a relationship, stuff like that. But it's, all, you know, we just bought a house. It's really about all of it, on the road, uh, living together, relationships. We like stuff, Kelsey, yeah. so. I do we, too. We, we sign off on this one. Yes, yeah, I, I do too, so. And, and <laughs> that's good. And, and she was from, was where's she, Florida or something? Washington. Washington State? State, yep. So this isn't that big a change for her, but it's certainly a big change from Southern California. Right, yeah. So she she was in LA and then moved back to Washington and then from there moved to Minnesota, which I, it is it is tough. She moved in January and it was really cold. No, they, we don't, you, you have to appreciate, if you've not lived in like the Upper Peninsula, Michigan or Alaska, you don't really understand what, the, right. what, what you guys live with. I was up there visiting a college and it was with the windshield 52 below zero. Yeah. And, and it was this thing where you, you, you can't go outside. If you go outside, your face begins hurting yep. and you can't take a deep breath. You just can't. Right. It'll freeze the sacs in your lungs. It's, I mean, it's pretty wild. So we had a polar vortex a couple of years ago and it got down to 77 below zero with windshield and they had to cancel school because like your eyeballs will freeze yeah, if well, you're you can't get a car started right you can't yeah. get around it's miserable you touch a doorknob on the inside of your house and it burns your hand yes it's wild yes and, and so it's in your bio it says you're from rural minnesota that got a little confusing to me because everything that's not the twin <laughs> right. cities yeah. sort of and when it uh what's uh minnetonka maybe or something or sort of Sure. Suburbs. Yeah. So when we you say rural. What are we talking about here? I lived until she moved to Minnesota, and I moved down to Minneapolis. Okay. Um, down I, to Minneapolis. Yes, so that's, that's right. a hint. Yes, I was three hours north. Woof. So it's it's the same latitude line as Duluth, Minnesota, but it's on the other side of the state. Okay, is where okay. I lived. Yeah. Well, welcome. Anyway, Thank we, you. we appreciate you being here. We do a lot of stuff in the show. We will listen to calls. We listen to. She, did she ever report to you about her experience here? She did. What did she say? She said that you might have to answer questions about if something is real or not, because there were some women listeners that disagreed with her last time. Well, maybe we should get right into that, <laughs> as, long, as long as she gave us the, she threw the door open. So <laughs> well, just so you know my perspective, I'm talking to her boyfriend, this is awesome. Uh, he, I was discussing, we were having a call or a question or something about uh, female orgasmic function. Sure. And I said, well, now look, uh, most women need to have one orgasm, some sort of direct stimulation on the clitoris is necessary. There's a certain group of women that can have a vaginal orgasm, but mostly rely on some sort of direct stimulation. And then there are women that have multiple, multiple, like dozens or hundreds, like as soon as, and they don't like oral sex at all. Sure. And then there's people that can have sort of lots of sequential ones. And she was like, that's me. And we're like, oh, well, come back and talk about that. Tell us all the details. Because people thought she was lying when right, she exactly. said that. Yep. And I said, no, she's not lying. This is this is the spectrum. So can, can you confirm uh, that she reported accurately on her biology? Well, first of all, I'd like to say, how miserable would it be for me if I had to come here and go, I don't know. She just has one with me. Um, it is, yeah, it's true. She can... She can have sequential, and uh, they come in as far as like she says sets. Yes, um, that's what she told. She she and she described it as sort of figuring it out, 
And I, I warned against that a little bit because a lot of women that have multiple orgasms just think other women need to figure it out. There's no figuring it out for some women. They're just not wired sure. up that way. And But she she mentioned the number nine, I think, if I remember right. Is that about where we're at with her? Well, listen, now I feel kind of pretty good about myself. Slow clap, everybody. That's why, that's why I brought the number up. I thought he could have, because she's... Clearly, they're getting along, and you can exceed that. Well, her best, we her personal just, best. Yeah, we're you know we figure stuff out, ask questions, all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, good. It's not too cold for that up there in Minnesota. That's no, you got you have to stay under the covers, so, so it works perfectly. <laughs> and Minneapolis is a great. You're on the Minneapolis side, right? Yeah, we're in Minneapolis. Yeah, yeah. it's a beautiful city. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's so funny. We're having this conversation today. I'll get the calls in a minute. I promise, guys. Uh, <laughs> it, I, I was watching a documentary on the flight over here on Mary Tyler Moore. Okay. And I'd forgotten that the, the 70s series about her was about her living in life as an independent woman, a newscaster in, Minis, in Minneapolis. Yep. And I'd forgotten it was all about Minneapolis. Yeah, there's they, still they a statue there. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. They, they didn't play that up the way that like uh, Fargo plays up the sure. all yeah. those accents and all yeah. that. But uh, it, it's interesting that, that Minneapolis played a really prominent cultural role at that time. And I don't think of it as that kind of city at all. Well, I think it, it might be just because it's right smack dab in the middle of everything. But it's not Midwest. It's, it's Northern Plains. It's different, right? It is. It is. I mean, we call it Midwest. But yeah. Cincinnati calls themselves Midwest, and that's in the Eastern time zone, which is absurd to me. Yeah, me too. But, but Ohio is, at least those are Midwesterners I would identify. Sure. The other thing I noticed when I was driving across country with Minneapolis, it was the first city when I, so at least when you drove north, it was the first city where the streets were wide all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. Like there was, it was planned for the automobile and it was yep. planned for traffic. And you go, even even Chicago, Illinois, and, and uh, Ohio, the cities themselves have small streets that are windy and don't make sense. Mm -hmm. Like more for a horse. Well, I almost think St. Paul, which is the, you know, they call them the twin cities. Yeah. St. Paul is like that. They have the skinny roads. Oh, it is. But Minneapolis old? has the big roads, kind of like uh, they call it the Little Apple. So I think it's you know it's uh, uh, it's built on a grid similar to New York. And I noticed Milwaukee has sort of become a like Minneapolis, which it didn't used to be. I haven't been in a long time. It, it's a lot different than it used to be. Okay. It's very interesting. All right, so t tell us about your comedy special and where they can find it and what's, what's in there. And so December 3rd, I recorded uh, two specials in one night. I did... Um, one hour on the early show mm -hmm. and then we kicked everybody out and changed the set and I changed my clothes and I came back on and did a whole new hour. And so the first one called Mixed Reviews is out on YouTube. Okay. Um, it's cruising. It's It's got some steam, so that's good. So uh, yeah, it's it's I call it Mixed Reviews because I kind of poke fun at everybody on this one. And I, I'm not normally like that. I'm pretty family-oriented comedy. I mean, not like clean, but it's about my family. And so this, I took a little sidestep and just because of all the stuff that was going on. And you make fun of yourself? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And what, what's your sweet spot for, for making fun of yourself? What, what are your sort of issues? Oh, I mean, my, you know. Because you seem like a pretty healthy guy. I had I'm a... wondering why you're in comedy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my dad left there. Oh, Let's okay, answer that. That's, that's the big one. All right. Yep. So um, yeah, make fun of myself. Uh, just kind of anything, you know, just right. messing up parenting. I have two kids and, um, you know. I, I'm a I'm a screw up. Let, let me turn over my cards. And the first time I saw your comedy, I was like, "Did Louis grow his beard out? What's going on here? Do you ever get that?" I have. I've gotten the uh, you know. Um, well, one time, I I didn't know how to frame my Instagram post correctly, and it was from nose down to about belly button, and I had a black T-shirt on, and everybody's like, "Um, excuse me." Yeah. 
the goatee became a beard. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I don't know. We, we talk about our kids. I, I don't, you know, he's obviously at a, at a level that is, that is untouchable to a lot. So it's a compliment to me. You've met him? I have met him, yeah. You guys have a similar kind of quality too, which is interesting. Uh -oh. Not when you're comedy, uh -oh. but actually personally. <laughs> and just, just, you're easy to talk to and, oh, that's and nice. smart and that kind of stuff. Uh, and so when did comedy find you? What? I, I mean, very, very young. So I have uh, a mug that I made with my mom's cousin who's closer to my age. But we, you know, when you write on the mugs and then put them in the oven and everything stays. I wrote that I wanted to be a comedian, drew a fixed... Uh, a stick figure with a microphone, all that stuff. You're how old at that point? I was probably five. Do you remember those sorts of things? I, I don't remember that, but I remember wanting to be a comedian. Anytime the teacher would leave the room, I would get up on the teacher's desk and try to make kids laugh. And on the like desk. Yep. Do you, did you have a, a cartoon or, a, or something you saw on television that, that got you? Uh, not really. I would just kind of do, um, you know, make fun of the, the Oregon Trail. That's how old I am. Um, and then... Uh, <laughs> In in sixth grade, in sixth grade, we had a John Fox um, cassette tape that was going around school, and so then I kind of memorized those bits, and I'd yeah. get up and do that. It is interesting how kids that like comedy memorize comedians mm -hmm. stuff. Yep. So when when I was a kid, there was a lot of memorization going on of Carlin and uh, Pryor. Sure. Uh, just com complete albums. People would be able to, they just spill them out. Yeah, we had Eddie Murphy Delirious was yeah. a big, really yeah. big one going around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, and did you just start doing open mic, that kind of thing? Or just Yeah, so I didn't do it until I was 23, and I got signed up. Did you go to college first? Uh, I tried college. Where'd you go to? I went to a, just a community college where I, where I grew up. Didn't take, and then I went down to Minneapolis, tried some things, and nothing really stuck. And then finally, I, uh, I had a six-month severance package from the company Xerox, because they'd let me go. I was just working as like a copier, really. And then... Um, it's kind of comedy by itself. Working at Xerox as yes, a copier. Yes, I know. It's like, okay. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty. In, uh, so then. Um, then I mean, as though anyone knows what a Xerox is anymore. To be fair. Yeah, that's they true. They may not catch the That's joke. what I have to explain. Yeah. yeah. So uh, so then my buddies brought me to an open mic and signed me up and that was it. And just kept going from there. Yeah. And so now anytime I'm on vacation or in a really nice place doing comedy, I send those guys pictures and say, thank you. How long ago was that? 25 years. Wow, amazing. Yep. Well, we've, we've switched over to live calls. So here we go. This is, uh, oops, Dominique. Is it Dominique? Is that how you pronounce it? Yes, it's Dominique. Okay, Dominique, what do you got there? 37 yes, years old. What do you got? Um, I just had some questions about um, testosterone cream. Okay. My, uh, my uh, OBGYN, I recently went in, gave blood panel because I suspected my testosterone was low. And I got my results, and it was like less than three. Woo! So she went ahead. Yeah, right. <laughs> so uh, she went ahead and put in a prescription for me for a compound cream, which I'm actually going to be starting this weekend. Okay. And I was just wondering if there is any other supplements or vitamins or anything else I can do that would help aid in the process of getting my numbers back up. Are you on any other medication? Um, no. Not nope. right now. No birth control pill? Not anymore. I was on birth control for 17 years. Uh -huh. And I recently, I got off. Um, I got my tube tied. I lost an ovary. And I guess some of that might have had something to do with it. I'm not sure. 
Are you also perimenopausal? As you have your ovaries sort of shut down, were your estrogen levels low also? You know what? They didn't check that, which I thought was weird. It is they weird. Only checked the testosterone because that's that's the only thing I brought up. So I thought maybe they would have did all, all, all right. of them. So the only they thing only that bo- I'll tell you what the only thing that bothers me about this is that they didn't do any kind of diagnostic workup. This is troubles me when doctors just go. There's a low lab. We're going to raise it up. Like, why do you have the low lab? Why is there low testosterone? Right. And an easy thing with you would be that you, you've lost an ovary. You have one left. Maybe it shut down a little prematurely for whatever reason. That should be looked at too. But okay, it's going to be just perimenopause or early menopause. And your estrogen, your pituitary gland should be responding to that, trying to drive your ovaries. And low testosterone can be part of it. On one hand, I'm happy that they checked your testosterone because a lot of doctors ignore testosterone in women, and it is very, very, very important. Were you having some symptom that led you to believe it was low? Um, like the, the number one thing was the, the lack of drive. But then I also noticed I was having thinning hair. My energy levels weren't what they used to be. Uh, my mood, like depression. I wasn't sure if the depression was Okay. okay, so so you're. I'm gonna I'm gonna speak for you because you were kind of kind of fuzzy there. So you're having depressed libido, no sex drive, depressed mood. You were fatigued. All that stuff for sure can be perimenopause, can be low testosterone, and it will get better. That's the great news about taking the the testosterone. It will really all get better. But please also look at your estrogen and progesterone and how the pituitary is responding to the low levels, if indeed they are low. So you can really get a proper diagnosis here. And I mean, you might want to see an endocrinologist just to make sure the whole thing is kind of looked at. I, I would go ahead with the testosterone really because you're going to feel so much better. One caveat is it can make, was your dad bald? Yeah. It can make, it can give you a little male <laughs> pattern. Over my brothers. It can give you a little male pattern balding too if you get a little too much going. So you want to be careful with that. Okay. You're also going to bring your hair back, too. For some women, the hair comes right back. So it's, you ever, anybody involved with anybody on uh, hormone replacement therapies? No, but I was thinking when she said her hair was thinning right now, that that seemed like there was almost testosterone involved in that. Because isn't that what happens? It it can, but also low estrogen can do it, too. So some women, when they get on proper replacement, it all comes back. Um, my my um, wife is on some testosterone replacement. It's made a huge difference for her. But she got a little, her dad's ball. She got a little bit of the balding, and so she hates that. But she feels so much better sure. that she's willing to go through all that just just to feel better. But, you know, look, there was a there was a period. One of the things that just drives me insane when people in my profession talk about the standard of care. Just it's the standard. You have to do it. It's the standard. The Women's Health Initiative back in the must have been the nineties now. Uh, was this giant study that was deeply flawed and it it wasn't picked up on until years later that set a standard of care that you were not allowed to give women hormone replacement therapy. In fact, I I remember pulling all my patients off hormone replacement and uh, the powers that be, the professional societies, were just pounding on us saying, you're no better than a witch doctor if you leave your patients on this. And I'm thinking, oh my God, these women are going to, their bones are going to fracture, they're going to be miserable, they're going to have dementias. All came true. No apology from those organizations sure. for getting it fucking wrong. Yeah. And so now when in opioid crisis, standard of care, give somebody 90 Vicodin when they leave the ER. 
That's the standard of care. And by the way, if you don't do that, you're guilty of patient abuse. You're interested in the patient's suffering. You're abusing that patient by not giving them an opiate. We're going to sue you, not for malpractice, for criminal abuse of patients. That sounds fun. It was good times. It was you a great time. You know what I've noticed so far is I uh, don't want to be a woman or a doctor. You don't want to be either. It fucking oh my sucks. God, it's so funny you say that. I, it's so weird we're having this conversation. I had a dream in the middle of the night last night about that. About we, I was interviewing an orthopedic surgeon and he was describing all the things he was going through. And, and I was had a guest in here and mm -hmm. I was saying, this is, what they, this is what he has to deal with. Does that sound good to you? And my guest said something like, I learned I don't want to be a doctor, something like you just said. Oh, saying. shit, or a woman. I'm so, serious. I have a 19-year-old daughter <laughs> so, that is like, it's period stuff. Period stuff alone. Yeah. Forget it. Well, here's an interesting thing. I, I had to actually think about this. Uh, I had to call a friend of mine publicly and apologize to her. It was Naomi Wolf. Do you know Naomi Wolf? I don't. She, she's a famous author and a famous feminist. Now she's being vilified because she's questioning vaccines and things. But she's a very bright woman, a very good woman. And she came on a show I was doing, and she went on about how the vaccines were affecting women's periods. And I said, Naomi, everything of it. Come on now. Come on. I mean, the wind blows wrong. Women's, I, I mean, am I supposed to make something of that? And then I started hearing about what it was doing to women's lives, the fact that certain religious or, you know, sort of uh, sex, they're not allowed to have intercourse and it affect their fertility and you know oh. when they were ovulating couldn't be determined they could uh, and i just thought <laughs> oh my god what a fucking sexist asshole i am i just i just went periods come, come on what's the big deal? everything yeah come on i hear about that all the time and i thought that is the i am so ashamed of myself and so i called her and i said Look, i have to apologize to you that was sexist it was misogynist it was fucking ridiculous that i was able to just dismiss something that you as a woman sure. were telling me was a significant thing and I thought, you know, we don't we don't know as men. We just don't oh, know. Fuck. I mean, <laughs> you know, somebody says something about their period. Is it an excuse? Yeah. Is it a valid excuse? Absolutely. <laughs> right, exactly. I have no idea. I, I, having dealt with dysmenorrhea, which is the painful period thing, which can be ovarian cyst and endometriosis on one end, and it can be just, just sort of the normal so-called for a given individual, it's like, imagine having the worst diarrhea of your life or something and the cramps associated with that. You want to have that all day when you're trying to do calculus? I don't. Thank no, you. I don't. Thank you. Yes. I mean, you. I'm just talking about my daughter having to leave the new Hunger Games movie in the middle oh. to change a tampon. I oh. mean, that's like, that's too much for me. I don't want to do any of that shit, especially all the big words you just used. <laughs> especially No, that. thank you. Let me, uh, there's somebody asking us to diagnose her drug-loving boyfriend. Boyfriend's 27. We've been together since high school. <laughs> Excuse me, 10 years. Uh, after so long, I see patterns, uh, undiagnosed ADHD, possibly maybe bipolar related to his work. He's a musician, struggles to find consistent work. His impulsiveness related to recreational drugs, not consistently dependent, but a big fan of psilocybin, MDMA, ketamine. Other than that, no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> has, has been to therapy, but not for the substance use. What's your advice on this extremely sensitive topic with someone I hope to spend my life with? Um, thoughts? I mean, leave. <laughs> it sucks. It sucks to say, but it's like this. This just seems if it's you know ten years and and uh, I don't know. It's tough because he's he's in a he's in music, right? Yep. He's around all these people that are doing the same shit. Yep. I mean, I'm in comedy. I see it all the time. I'm lucky. I just my my sister was addicted to meth. No. My dad was addicted to a bunch of stuff. Oh, she's no. she's good now. But you see how the gene comes. It only affects. It's roughly in most situations fifty fifty. 
Yeah. Half the kids get it, half don't get it. It didn't you're it didn't touch me. I mean, I've yeah. I've never even done Coke and I'm yeah. in comedy. I've been offered what? a million <laughs> times. I just didn't want my heart to explode and <laughs> Fair enough. have my mom hear about that. Yeah. So I mean, I, I guess I don't I don't know unless you want to pull him out and really have a one on one with him. I so mean, you're picking up on the addiction part, which is I'll talk about it in a second. But you the to have your sister recover from meth, that's a big deal. It's hard one. It's to huge. Stop. It's, it's a, huge. And now she has um you know, three kids. Everybody's doing great. Did she She's have the been full sober psychosis ever since. and everything? She got the craziness. Um, it, it felt like. I mean, I I don't think I can you know diagnose her with that, but it it felt like she wasn't her. Mm. So yeah, but she came back well, and they started accusing now. family, friends, neighbors, coworkers of all kinds of things. Sure, that's yeah. the paranoia. That's that's the mm -hmm. meth psychosis. It's so pernicious. It's so pernicious, and they and they just have no insight into what's going on. No clue. Yeah. Every time you see a guy with a machete out on the streets, that's what that is. That's that's a meth psychosis. Oh, yeah. Well, that's good. To, good times. Guys, calm down. It's just meth psychosis. Yeah. He's not anyway, going to hit you with yeah, that thing, which they can. So this guy. So something I mentioned on a show I just was had done, I guess, last week. Um, ADHD is a marker for the gene for addiction. People with okay. significant genetic potential for addiction almost always have ADD, ADHD. Also, that can be a sign of trauma. One of the dirty little secrets about this diagnosis, ADHD, is that people that have childhood trauma also have later ADHD symptoms. What, what kind of childhood trauma are we talking about? Really, then? physical abuse, sexual abuse, neglect in childhood. Like okay, real, gotcha. real trauma, big gotcha. T trauma. Okay. Uh, but just having the gene for addiction is also a setup for this. Mm -hmm. And so I see these guys that have this sort of early stages of drug addiction, like her boyfriend, getting put on stimulants all the time, and then they're good for a few years, and then boom, things go bad. Sure. And they're lost to follow-up magically. So you, you want to be very careful with stimulants. I, I would not treat somebody like this, for sure not with uh, psychostimulants, and I'm not sure I would use anything in somebody that's actively using all these substances the way he is. He's using things rather wildly, right? Mm -hmm. MDMA, psilocybin, right. ketamine. He's using a lot of stuff, and you're seeing it as impulsive. It probably is early addiction. Now, to get somebody with early addiction to sign on to treatment is almost impossible. The treatment is hard. Yeah, uh, nobody signs up for treatment at the beginning of addiction. Correct. They have to have lots of consequences. I mean, you have to sort of dedicate every day to the recovery. And if somebody early on, they, they won't do that. Now, you can educate this guy, and maybe he can get his problem under control before he loses control, because addiction really is when you lose control. He still sounds like he has control, even though he's a little too into it more than he should be. And the probability is that if you treat the substances, all this stuff that you're calling bipolar, ADHD, all that will get better just by itself. Hmm. But if he, and, and, and certainly cognitive behavioral therapy, individual therapies, professionally managed therapies will help this a lot. So get him into a therapist that has some experience with working with people with addiction. But to expect him to like, you know, go full abstinence and go into meetings, that kind of thing, it won't happen. He hasn't had the most possible fun and the worst possible rock bottom yet. So um, here's a question though. Yeah. ADHD, you said that is a marker for addiction. Genetics, is it, the is, genetics of addiction. Okay. Is it also the marker for, uh, I mean, it's not a marker, but arts? I mean, you see so many people. Yeah. It, it, so ADHD it flies around with a lot of uh, companions. <laughs> it, sure. it, it's in a lot of different settings. I, I've been emphasizing the fact that it's around addiction and trauma because people ignore that. But it can occur by itself. And, you know, in this, the sort of the artistic thing is, 
one of the reasons I like, like working with addicts and alcoholics is they are brilliant and artistic and and br- smart. And so I'm sure you saw that with your dad and your sister. And Absolutely. They're very yeah. rich human beings. Mm-hmm. And that may be what you're seeing more than anything. It may be the addict side oh, gotcha. when you say that. So okay. it just hasn't really manifested itself yet. Ah, gotcha. And in your dad, is it, he just took off and that was it? Oh, this is a <coughs> too long for this episode. Well, give me uh, the cliff notes, the shark notes as we call them now. Cliff notes. Stole my identity when I was in high school. Good times. Uh, yep. So he said, hey, I really miss you. I'd like to take you to lunch. Bring your driver's license and your social security card because I would like to sign you up for this thing that you'll be able to draw a fund. You'll be able to draw from when you're an you're adult. Already with your mom at that point? Yep. And was she talking shit about him all the time and saying- No, not really. I mean, she was pretty good about that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, I got a, a car. The, the engine was busted a little bit so that I had to bring it in. I got a rental car. My dad made copies of the keys to that rental car. So when I got my car back, he stole that car to leave town because he was uh, going to prison. Oh. Yep. So there's a lot of stuff. He didn't want to go to prison, I guess. I don't think so. Okay. Yeah, and he for, wasn't made for prison. for drug uh, possession. Or? It was for writing bad checks. Ah, yeah, he was the real deal. Oh, he was. Yeah, did he live through his illness? Or I don't think so. Mm. We don't know. But my sister and I just kind of did a pinky swear where we're like, let's tell people he's dead. It's easier. Less follow up questions. Yeah, uh, pe- people with that kind of stuff end up dead or in prison or yeah. institutionalized. That, that's I would think. Yeah. Oh, it's had, and your mom. My my mom. So here, here's what I always say. I think people get um, f- from both parents. You get a total of 100 points. Now, whatever happens with whatever parent, my mom was. She had 97 points. Oh, that's nice. so we didn't we didn't uh, lose much. That's cool. Yeah. And, and but your it can impact your your uh, sister a little more. She can start that's getting true. attracted to shitheads. Was she doing a bit of that? I don't know if she was. I mean, it definitely affected her more because- well, She got the genes. She got yeah, the genes. Right. right. And I think it's, um, what is it? Daddy's little princess and a mama's boy, right? So when he left, you know, if my mom would have left, who knows? Maybe yeah. something would happen to me. But, yeah. um, and she was younger, right? I was at that age. I was, you know, he was kind of in and out from 15 to 21. But I was at that age where I was like, I don't want anyone telling me what to do. Right. I course. want to be the man of the house. Yes. So- um, so when he took off, it was like, all right, great. Yeah. More freedom. But I think for her, it was like, oh shit. I've been a bad guy. Right. He doesn't exactly. Love me. Exactly. Doesn't love me. Right. Yep. But that women will sometimes try to solve that by being attracted to same kind oh, of guys. Yeah. I've seen. Yeah. I've so seen she that. went through that cycle. I, I um, I think with a couple, but, uh, good. It's not too bad. And, and now that she's in, she's in recovery, I assume. Recovery. Like full yeah. full yep. deal. Yep. And does she have more compassion for her dad because of that or does she even angrier sometimes you know, it can go either way i don't, i think i think we don't talk about him much but um i think she has some compassion because sometimes people in recovery just go hey he i got well this asshole could have also instead he you know well he, he he called her for the first time he hadn't talked to her in four or five years she was in recovery or in uh rehab mm. and he called her and he was like what the hell are you doing and she was like well what the fuck are you doing you know it was very strange that he would call to judge her in rehab. Well, he has the potential of bumming his high because ah. she'll see through his bullshit. No. They, get, they get very scared about that sometimes. <laughs> and so, well, I'm glad that I didn't have to figure that shit out. And just one treatment for her? That's kind of unusual. Uh, two. Okay. Yep. Even that's unusual. Yep. For, for meth, it's usually multiple. Yeah, but she, uh, the second one really stuck. Did she stay for a long time? She was there for, oh man, probably I mean, six weeks. Was she, was she in Minneapolis? She was in Minneapolis. City center's right there. Did she go to-, to No. Hazleton? Oh, I just drove by it and I yeah. can't remember what it's called. 
Uh, it was not one of the Hazleton programs. Though. It wasn't that. It was another big one, though, where sometimes celebrities go to it. I can't remember what it's called. In Minneapolis. In Minneapolis. And not, yeah. not Hazleton. Huh. Another big one. I didn't yeah, know. You, you want me to look it up? No, I'll, okay. I'll get, take your word for it. We can do it maybe afterwards. That, that's just interesting to me. I don't think about... I, I got one of the reasons I got so pissed that Prince died. I'm like, you have world class treatment, right? Exactly. You could have thrown him in the back seat and <laughs> taken him ten yards up the road. Yep, it, it's so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Anyway, we'll, we'll keep going here. Uh, this is Saul. Let's talk to Saul. Saul, what's going on? Hey, I got a question about uh, uh, thoracic tunnel syndrome. So I had an accident uh, on a four wheeler. I broke collarbone and got an internal um, fixation. Mm. So, so hang on, hang on, Saul, I'm going to translate some of this. So he broke his shoulder, okay. his collarbone. They had, to, they had to operate on it. They had to do an internal fixator on it. It must have been more than just the collarbone, I suspect. Uh, they broke your scapula too, right? No. No? Just okay. the collarbone, but it broke in like five pieces. I see. So um, they had to glue it plate together. And seven screws. Got it. And he now has something called a thoracic outlet syndrome, which is sort of... Blood supply, if you raise your arm up, the blood supply is not as good as it should be. You get nerve compression, tingling in your hands. Oh, so the blood's not making it to the fingertips. Mm, it's not that so much. It really, what, what bothers people is the tingling and the pain they get okay. from the nerves. Okay. So what what's going on? So um, what do you think I should do? Is there anything specific um, that I can help at? What are you having? What are you uh, experiencing? it mainly affects my pinky. Yeah. Tell me my what. I'm thinking my ring finger. What are you um, feeling? And uh, cold. Cold. And but, they tend to stay cold. Yeah, they tend to stay cold longer than my rest of my hand. Right. And but it doesn't burn. You don't feel a burning or searing or anything like that in your hand. No, no, okay. no burning. No. Well, unfortunately, there may not be much to be done about it. But that does sound more vascular than neurological. And so I absolutely would go back and see the orthopedic surgeon and see if they have any suggestions. It may be as simple as some physical therapy. Sometimes they can relieve some of that, but there might be something more significant that you got to pay attention to as you get older. So I, I would definitely have that evaluated yeah. for sure. Ooh, here's a good parental mental health thing to keep with your theme. Vanessa, what's going on? Hey, um, so little bit of a long story, but I can add extra context or details where you need. Um, okay. But essentially, my parents are still married and they live in California. My dad hasn't spoken to my mom since February, so we're coming up to almost a year. Okay. They got into a fight earlier this year. Um, I don't know what it was about. I don't know what was said, but it was enough to make him just shut her out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's a bit of a narcissist. Mm-hmm. My mom has found out within herself that she's pretty codependent. Mm -hmm. He goes to Al-Anon meetings for the fact that he was abused growing up as well as had an alcoholic sibling who passed away a few years ago. And my mom started going to codependency support groups as a therapist. She's trying to work on herself, um, but I'm just really nervous and worried for her own mental health of what this kind of like emotional abuse could do to her. She's nervous to get a divorce because of spousal support. She has been the main breadwinner ever since I could remember. Um, so it's just a, it's a tough situation. I don't know 
what to do to support her or, or okay. what like All right. so hold on. I could so, offer for her. So, to, so to she she's worried that she'll have to pay spousal support? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. And you're how old? I am 30. How is everything going with you? I, so I think understanding more of this has become telling of like tendencies for me in the past. Um, I have never been too close with my dad. Hmm. And so I don't know how I feel about it. Like I've also kind of started to not want to have a relationship with him. Yeah. I I almost hear you choking up because of that. Are you, does it hurt you? It's frustrating. Yeah. But you're saying, I mean, since, yeah, since February, that is, that's just unacceptable. Yeah. You're saying frustrating, but you sound in pain. Yeah. Yeah. You're tearful. You're crying. Probably. Um, That's more than frustration. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's real stuff. So, I think the, the, you know how we say, I'll let you, you I'll, I've got something I want to say to her, but go ahead, please. You were saying it's unacceptable that they, they abuse each other like this at a distance. Well, yeah, and, and, having, and having her watch that. Right. And, and I completely agree with you. And you know how they say you have to put a mask over your, the, the, the air pressure drops mm-hmm. in the airplane, you put a mask over your own face before you put it over your child's, right? You've heard that said? Vanessa? Yeah. Okay. You must take yeah, care of I your, have. you want to be helpful to your mom, you must first take care of yourself. Mm, and, absolutely. And this yeah. is clearly affecting you more than you're really fully getting your head around. And well, it should, I understand. But it's more than, you know, it's an interesting thing that happens because as a severe codependent myself, I don't know if you have any of that stuff. Did we in therapy one time or something? I, I go to therapy still. Okay, I was going to say, you seem cleared up whatever whatever went on from your dad seems <laughs> seems all cleared up um uh and uh i don't know what you're doing with kelsey but oh no i'm sorry <laughs> no um and you 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 have a codependency as well i don't know quite what's going on with your parents i understand they're enmeshed and they're abusing each other and all the things you've told us are true and accurate but this this concern you have with your mom is actually mobilizing your own pain. It's your pain that's yeah. actually more problematic. And you're having trouble, as someone who, I've had the same thing in my life, you're not really distinguishing what you perceive as her pain and worry about that pain in her is actually blended with your own. It's really your pain. Did yeah. you, can I ask, did you? Uh, did your dad treat you like this at times? Like if, if you didn't do what he wanted to do, did he shut you out? Um, not, I would, not a ton. It was, we have never really been close. I think the only time where I think I was, was a little bit shell-shocked by him treating me any sort of way was, and I don't know if this sounds silly, but when I was 16, my mom bought me a horse. And so I was so excited about it, wanting to spend all my time at the barn. And I remember him yelling at me one time being like, it's like, you love that horse more than us. And I like, Something like that has always stuck with me. He's never been supportive of me pursuing that until a little bit recently when I think he was trying to be like a better person, but I don't I don't look to him as a father figure. Sure. Well, first of all, I, I would say it's it's not silly. It maybe seems silly because you're 30, but that happened to you when you're 16. 
that memory was made when you yeah. were 16. So that's not that's not silly because you were dealing with that then. But and it's a reason you remember it. Yeah, yeah. So, a long time ago, and you still remember it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and it is sort of stunningly non-empathic. Rather than sharing in your joy, yeah. he's worried about you not attending to him. Yeah. As a 16 year old, what a fucking yeah. asshole! Yeah, excuse me, but it, you know, I, I I'm sure you love your dad, but that's assholes territory. And it makes me wonder, was he also yeah. drinking? Did he drink too? No, he didn't. He uh, he, he never drank when – both my parents never drank when I was little. Um, I don't know what he did, like, beyond that. Um, but I know my mom never drank. Both her parents were alcoholics as well. But they both have just, you know, rough starts. Well, one of the things that happens when – a woman grows up with alcoholic parents, they find mm. alcoholics very attractive. And so it still makes me think your dad may have had a problem with that or something. It just, it feels a little more that yeah. it's, it feels so kind of dramatic. Yes. Yeah, like, something else that women will do when yeah. they grow up with alcoholic parents is they'll put up with someone not talking to them since February. That's true. That's, That's very wild. And, and yeah. you, you mentioned that it, it well, but it's, I'm trying to put myself in her shoes. I mean, she doesn't. She wants a divorce, but she doesn't want to support this guy. Oh, right. And she yeah. is not is trying to take care of herself. You said she's going to some codependency meetings or something. Yeah, she started going to codependency meetings. She's met with a few therapists until she found one that she likes. She also started with a, a life coach, so she's really trying. Um, and he just continues to to just shut her out, even when she tries to just talk to him. And I don't, I don't know. I don't know if she can ever fully forgive him from what she's told me as far as why should what she? he said to her. What that should she? That fight, but what, she what just, she, she yeah. shouldn't. And I don't necessarily. think she should. No, but, but I, the, but the, I just, the, the, the sum total of this call is you got to take care of yourself. You got to, yeah. and you're the one that's got to yeah. really, and then you will be more effective with the people you love and want to help. But, but first you. Okay. Yeah. All right. Thanks for the call, Vanessa. Let's uh, do some uh, voice messages. This is what I was okay. looking for at the, sure. earlier in the show. We've got some lined up here. All right. This is Abraham with a penis boil question. <laughs> okay. Huh. Hey, hello. So shifting gears. Uh, I received some drunk oral sex from a big-titted animal about a week ago. Uh, a few days ago, I noticed what looks like a boil on my groin. It is slightly painful to the touch. The timing is suspicious, but this doesn't look like any STD I know. Uh, do I have AIDS, or have I just been wearing my jeans too high and tight? Thanks. Homie on out. It's like he, I think he scripted that one out just so he could drop all that your mom's house stuff in <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, it sounded like it. Anything for him? I've never had a boil on my penis. Oh, I have no well, idea. He said his How gro- about there back in there in the booth? Anybody? <laughs> no, bullshit, you guys have. Somebody's had a boil on their groin. Oh, boil? He said boil. groin. He didn't say penis. He said groin. Oh, like in boil? and around the... People get ingrown hairs and little boils all through the pubic area all the time. It happens a lot. Bro, I would uh, go to the hospital <laughs> immediately. You call me b- before you spend all that money, dude. Yeah, I'm a big like, if you can't pop it, see a doctor. It, it's fine. I, I, I get that. But if you even if you can pop it, he sounds like Andy's being airlifted. Yeah, but nah, uh, that's, call that's me first. Dick, man. I don't fuck around with my I, dick. Not, but are, we're talking about in the, in the environs of the dick. Close in, in, the, in the neighborhood of the dick. It's just a boil. It's a it's a carbuncle we call it, and uh, they, the the timing is suspicious. And if it if it ulcerates, 
that's a different thing. But they, what what could it be from oral sex? Well, from it can be anything. Any any sexual transmitted disease can be transmitted by oral sex. And around in the groin. Huh? Well, the the one that you'd worry about would be syphilis. Okay. And that is a painless ulcer. It can look like a boil to begin with, and sort of open up and be just sit there. And it, the, <laughs> the, 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 the give me give me a picture of a inguinal chancre. Oh, Ready, God guys? Come on now, inguinal chancre. A C H A autocorrect on that The the scary thing about syphilis is that primary lesion goes away, and you know how we are as men. We're like, well, just it's going to go away. Right, if exactly. it goes away, oh, fuck it, I'm not going to worry about it. Well, when it goes away, then you can develop something called secondary syphilis, where it spreads throughout your body, and then you can get a rash, and the classically that rash is on the hands, palms, palms. And you can get things called gummas, which are these sort of growths of, from syphilitic growths. Can you spell oh that again? Inguinal, I-N-G-U-I-N-A-L, inguinal, shanker, C-H-A-N-C-R-E. C-R-E. And I, I don't see it on the board here. I'm just seeing my uh, timer. It sounds like a rich character from a Dickens novel. Yes. Inguinal shanker. shanker, yes. It's like the Pickwickian shanker. No, that's shankroid. Uh, I typed in what you told okay, me. Okay, to inguinal shanker syphilis. Then put after that. Shankroid is another fun thing you can get. Uh, picture. We can just see primary. Oh, there we go. Uh, uh, see, like the well, those are all good ones. Probably the one with the arrow on it, right ones. up top there. That's a good one. Yeah, that one would. That one would just uh, see. So it's like just, an open sore, yeah, isn't it? But they don't hurt. It's, uh, an ulcer is an open sore. That's what an open open sore. Uh, it's what an ulcer is, uh, and herpes are painful ulcers. Um, syphilis is a painless ulcer. So even that big one next to it on the left, that mm -hmm. pink one, that's on the penis. That is uh, painless. But don't you think Looks that you go to the hospital because you think you have herpes anyways? Most people would, uh, but again, you know, men are, and it goes away in about two, three weeks. And so men uh, will ignore it. And then you get the secondary syphilis. And the really dreaded thing is if you don't get it treated at the secondary syphilitic phase, then it can become tertiary syphilis in a certain number of cases and it eats your brain. Oh, and that's good times. So everybody. fun. No, no. Any, if we not never talked about syphilis, any, I think like this one got through to you. No, I mean I'm sure we have. I blocked it out. Okay, you just, <laughs> you just weren't associated during the conversation. And there are a couple of other, if like like that middle one there, that one with the arrow was just on. There, uh, there's a lot of different illnesses that can look like that. Yeah, chancroid can look like that. Lymphogranuloma venereum can look like that. Primary syphilis can look like that. That one almost looks like it bridged across. Yeah, w where it would grow when you get hard. The corona there. It's a, it's just it's just destroying everything. <laughs> but it oh, goes away. Wow. It goes away. And it can occur in your mouth if you've had the contact there, like if it caught that during oral sex. And uh syphilis is on the rise, everybody. Good time. I'm telling you, they have there have been some I'm gonna bring it up again. I brought it up last week. There have been some re some research lately that you can take an antibiotic every day and it will prevent this. And as much the way we give PrEP to prevent AIDS, you've heard of this, we give these antivirals mm -hmm. every day or shots, now we can give that. And it prevents HIV from being passed. Uh, you don't get it, you know, if, if you're exposed. And the same thing is true of all those sexually transmitted diseases just by taking a tetracycline every day. Well, uh, Kelsey, mm -hmm. we talked about her earlier, she was taking an antibiotic for acne mm. and she took it for too long and it ruined all the good 
uh, oh, yeah. stuff she, in her gut. She got a small so, bowel overgrowth. So now she can't. That can happen. She can't eat a, a lot of things because of that. So it's called SIBO, S-I-B-O, right? Small bowel intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Look up SIBO, S-I-B-O. Um, By the way, I'm not signing off on Kelsey having this. I don't know <laughs> what it not. is. I'm just telling you that's the information I small have. Small intestine bacterial overgrowth occurs when there is an abnormally increased overall bacterial population of the small intestine. Uh, but, 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 but I mean... It like the, ate all her good bacteria. Yeah. I mean... Or something like that. Maybe. This is a hard thing to diagnose and it's a hard thing to know if it's because a lot of things can cause those kinds of symptoms, right? And just the fact that she was on antibiotic for acne can do that, but doesn't necessarily do that. And the reality is I'm sure people have told her that to treat it, you take antibiotics, and she's probably reluctant to do that since she thinks it caused it, which it may mm -hmm. have. So it's a it's a thing. Does she has she tried all the um colonizers and all the Got probiotics and I just know there's a list of things that she can't eat. Yeah. And I just like also like to give a shout out to her for coupling up with me after seeing all these open sores on these dicks. I and, didn't show her all this. I didn't. And we, finding out no, that I'm, syphilis I, is on the rise. I saved this for you. This I is amazing. It. I saved, I heard that she had a partner. I thought, I'm going to fuck this up. Oh, this will so, definitely, so, this will so. definitely make you pair up and not want to uh, be in any speed dating trials. Oh, that's right. I'm, I'm, I'm making sure they stay together. Got it. Uh, but she um, has she tried treating it because it is a treatable thing. What are the what are the things she can't eat? Uh, mushrooms, mm -hmm. uh, peanuts. Uh, she can't have. Uh, oh, what did she just that she couldn't have? There's something about in wine sulfates, oh, sulfides, sulfides, yeah, um, something mm, like that. But she gets gas and diarrhea, or abdominal pain. What that's from dairy. Yeah, mm, interesting. Mm -hmm. She should work on. There's some treatments for that stuff, and they're not that they're not that problematic they're just sort of recolonizing everything really hmm. it's interesting uh alex what's going on hey dr drew hey man um been following you for for a while now this is the first time that i called in i'm glad you called what's up um thank you thank you for taking my call you bet um i about two months ago about two months ago um i found a lump on my right testicle mm-hmm and I went in. My, I went into the doctor. They sent me to a specialist, and they came for well, to get CAT scans or X-rays or something. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, came back benign. Good. But they had an. They had an. There was an accidental finding of a lump, uh, a tumor, right underneath that one. Oh. Um. Yeah, and, and my doctors were they're concerned about it. Uh, so they sent me to a specialist to get it checked out. Okay. And uh, he gave me two options. No, the number one option was to get it removed, mm -hmm. um, to get it and then get it sent to the lab to see if it's cancer. Okay. Um, and option two is to just wait it out and to see, to see if it'll grow mm. um, and, you know, just keep an eye on it. Yeah, and um, he wants—he doesn't want too much to remove it, okay? Because he does, you know, it's gonna mess with my testosterone and all that. Mm. Um, I don't really know what to do. So when you say remove um, it, they're gonna have to take the whole testy out. They can't just take part of it. No, he told me he would have removed the whole thing. Whole thing. Well, it sounds like he's not anxious yeah. to do it. I would follow their direction. I, look, if it's gonna grow, it's gonna—you'll pick it up. The, 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 these things are a problem when they get away from you. I, like, I, like I have prostate cancer, right? And when I was first diagnosed, mm -hmm. I went on a surveillance for like three years uh, before I had it removed because it was still small okay. and it's still slow growing. And 
I really wasn't ready to have a big operation. I didn't want to, and so I didn't. Uh, and as long as you stay on top of these things and it's the recommendation of the surgeon that that's an adequate way to monitor it, then I would just do that. Okay. Okay. okay yeah. My concern gonna, was if it would spread or. Well, of course it can. It can. It, it can. And, and that's what you want to watch for. You're, you're the probability of it being a cancer that would spread without growing locally, probably less than 10%. Uh, and if you okay. want to get it out, do so. I mean, it's 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 probably going to have to be taken out anyway. That's my prediction. But if they're willing to monitor yeah. in the meantime, I mean, it, you're not going to lose very much. You're just very yeah. fortunate to have so found if, it. If down the road, or, yeah. Um, my doctor, I mean, she, she's not happy that I'm in that, but she's happy that they found it. Right, um, that's right. And they Absolutely. only found it because they did the other. Yeah. Yeah, um, so if it go if it gets to that point where I have to remove it, mm. um, he told me my the only thing I'll be suffering from is uh, I would have to uh, take testosterone, right? Not necessarily, uh, not even necessarily, but maybe, yes, maybe. But even if you do, that's a hell of a lot better than my, cancer. Yes, that's a nothing. It's like a, look, yeah. I, I wish I could take some testosterone. I can't because <laughs> of my prostate cancer. It would be nice to be able to dial in the testosterone level I want. Okay. Okay. You're gonna be fine. Okay. You're gonna uh, be fine. Yeah. Get get it. Get okay. a get a. Okay. Keep a positive attitude on this. Yeah. Good luck, man. Yeah. You're lucky to have found yeah. it. The worst thing that happens is you need a little testosterone. They can put a they can put a prosthetic testicle in there, so you don't even know you're missing a ball. So it's it's a nothing. And then you're gonna be able to have sex for hours because you're gonna be thinking about that. You want to be thinking about ejaculating and be like, oh my god, there's a fake nut in Although here. Although the testosterone might make you come a little quicker, but I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Bounce it out. Uh, let's see. There's a girlfriend suffers from severe depression, anxiety, PTSD. Uh, she's been in some bad relationships. I want to show her I love her and that she deserves affection. I don't want to know where to start in learning about her feelings. We do, yes, we do talk about it as much as we can. It helps a lot that we both have great communication, but what is bothering us, when something is bothering us, we talk it out. Any good references help me understand more would be appreciated. Dude, look, uh, <laughs> you're not going to feel what she's feeling. Your job is to be present and just to attune to her feelings, not to take on her feelings, not to catch her feelings, not to be in her feelings, just to try to appreciate what her experience is, and support her. Um, sometimes it means helping contain the feelings. So you not having these feelings is actually a very important thing. So you can kind of help help keep her contained. In terms of what is anxiety and depression and PTSD, I mean, I don't know any books about people. You know, what is it like to experience anxiety right. and PTSD? I, I mean, you just have to talk to people and experience it and stay open to it. This is definitely a two ears, one mouth situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so you've been in therapy a long time. How how do you get people to understand? Because I have real frustrations with this. Questions like that frustrate me. And, and also even when I send people to therapy, they're like, well, therapists didn't tell me what to do. That's not what therapists are for. Right. How would you describe what therapy has been for you? I mean, therapy is just unloading everything that you don't want to talk about and ruin a dinner conversation, <laughs> you know? And then these people are also, they can't tell anybody. So yeah. this is like a safe spot to do it. And what I tell guys is, cause you know, guys, especially in Northern Minnesota, like I'm not going to goddamn therapy. Well, it's like, but you change your oil before your engine starts to smoke. Right. right. So why not go to therapy before you have a complete breakdown? I mean, why not, do, why not catch the problem or get the tools 
to attack the problem before the problem takes you down. It's no different than exercising right, before course. you lose, you know, your capacity to yeah. to maintain your muscle mass. I mean, you have to you have to these are organ systems. They have to be worked on. And they get sick sometimes and they have treatments and the treatments get them better. Yeah, and and a lot of guys have this inner voice. I know I I have it sometimes. It's our FIAD teacher, right? Mm. Oh, you little bitch. Oh, yeah. You know, this, you suck at this. FIAD teacher? The physical education. Oh, P. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah oh, it's so, your coach. It's your yeah, coach. Yeah, but yeah. Take yeah. an E, boys. Uh, exactly, right? So that's the that's the inner voice. And then that just helps you uh, because, you know, I've done so much of this stuff where it's like anytime you call yourself a bitch or you tell yourself you suck, your brain remembers it and it writes the next day for you based on that information. Let's let's talk about it for a minute because it's an interesting territory to me, which is that on one hand, that's absolutely true. You, you don't want to have all that negativity carrying around. Mm. On the other hand, I don't like people that don't have some of that inside Well, them. I'll tell you, this that's my, my biggest complaint the whole time is like, how are you going to get better if you don't have yourself pushing you? Or somebody calling you a pussy or a shithead Ooh. once in a while. And so you can at least right. stop and go, oh, am I? Let me look, let me evaluate. Let me look. And right. if you're not, good. Yeah, but, you, uh, you have to shake the tree a little bit. Yeah. So so I, I always worry when we say that, don't listen to that inner voice. Well, no, don't let the inner voice rule. Right. And don't let it ruin your day. But- yeah, take a beat. <laughs> Sometimes you are an asshole. Yeah, and it's okay. Yeah, I mean, you need you need the corrector, but for me, it was nonstop. It well, was that's just, not good. That voice was that's the response dad. to Did everything. You, was your dad that way? And sometimes, sometimes. Yeah, I think it was Enough. just. I think it was just me trying to, you know, push myself in the direction I wanted to go. Because yeah. once you're out of high school, or once you don't have a coach or a dad, you know, I mean, did you, you play football? Did you? Uh, when I was younger, yeah, did, much high younger, yeah, high school. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I, I, I've noticed that, I don't know, people that don't have play organized sports where m- males, particularly when they put their bodies at risk on behalf of their peers, it's, it's good for them somehow. Hmm. And then the, and then the coaches that coach in those environments, like my kids were playing soccer for a while. Okay. And the coaches were all dads that were frustrated soccer players and they were literally screaming at the kids, like insulting, awful things. And I, right. I pulled my kids out immediately. I said, we're going to play football. And they were nine years old. They played tackle football. And their coach was a 250-pound African-American gentleman who's been a dear friend to this day who would grab them by the face back and go, son, I'm trying to help you. And I was like, that's what I want. That's yeah, who I want. It's way different I, than the dads yelling you, the insult you're and a, stuff. You're a punk. Yeah, you're a right. I, and I, I, I want, I want my kid to, to stand at attention. And they carry themselves differently. Mm-hmm. They talk to me differently. I thought that's that is what I want from organized. You want the guidance. You. you don't want the beatdown. The mental you, beatdown. You, you want, you know, you want the. Um, I don't know what it is. It's something. Well, first of all, you want you want to put yourself at risk for your peers. That by itself is very kind of motivational. It's or cha- changing in some way. But having some another male, large male, yeah. scare you yep. is good. Yeah, am I a little bitch? Yeah, yeah, I'm a little bitch. <laughs> and, and then and then when he cares, when he cares about it, when you feel the caring coming through that, it's like that. That's that's what I want. That's what I want. Yeah, that's what's missing with the the dads yelling, "You're a bitch." It's yeah. the, it's the caring. Yeah. The, the caring and the and and frankly. It's about them then. It's not about the kids. And right. this guy was like, he was all about the kids. He was there dedicating his time. Oh, that's and, great. And I, I remember I personally, like my freshman year of high school, I had a football coach that just said a couple things to me and it, it just got through. And I thought, wow, that's extraordinary that these experiences when you're 14, 15 can shift how mm-hmm. you think about yourself and your motivational 
system. It, it's just it's important. I so when I, that's why when people attack football, I, I worry about it. I think football has a place for I think so young, young males absolutely. So, all right, let's uh, let's see a let's see a, a medical video before we wrap this thing up here. Ooh, yeah. Wow. I love that first gig. Scared the shit. I mean, it scared her to death. First of all, thank you for help allowing us to enjoy that. We appreciate oh, that. that. To all the colonoscopy patients, uh, yeah, they put a ton of air in to inflate your colon so they can yeah. look around, and so that usually it comes out uh, sort of before you wake up. Yeah. But God bless them for putting it on video. And how about the guy that has enough conscious awareness after anesthesia to pull my finger? Yeah, it's pretty and good. And then flick the tongue. Yeah, well, it's pretty good. When I had mine, they said. Uh, you know, let us know if you need more, if you need more drugs, because yeah. if you can feel this. And yeah. it was not long before I was like, just knock me out fully. You, next time, have uh, propofol. Okay. It's, it's, it's beautiful. They just go, you're ready? Boom, and you're gone. And then, okay, it's over. Yeah, I'll and take that. Because I, I wanted to be there watching the screen. That was a mistake. It's Michael Jackson's milk. <laughs> uh, one quick call here I want to get in before we uh, wrap it up. Here's Amanda. Go ahead, Amanda. Hi, Dr. Drew. I know that we talk about alcohol withdrawal a lot, yep. and I'm not an everyday drinker, um, but I do binge on the weekends, and I'm just wondering what those effects are, like seizures and, and so on. It it can be the same as chronic alcohol consumption, though not as consistently so, Right. The main thing that people would have, let's say a, a weekend binge, would your sleep will be fucked up for five to seven days. Mm -hmm. Your thinking, it is, yeah, yeah, your thinking is off, and your mood is off more than you realize. You can be very irritable. You can be very sort of mm -hmm. short with people. Uh, you could, let's think about some of the other. You might have a little diarrhea the next day or two, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Seizures are a potential, yeah. though they're not common. They're not common. So uh, is there something, some specific symptom you're, you're worried about? I think it's more of like the, the seizures. So um, when I say I binge, I binge. So from um, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday day, I'll have 750 milliliters of tequila. So you'll consume each day. You'll, you'll con each, each day. You'll have a bottle each day. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I. I not that only that is correct. That that is a good. That's a good seizure recipe. I got to say, uh, it's a real. <laughs> it's a real thing. And and one of the problems with uh, the seizure with alcohol is the seizures sometimes come late. They sometimes come when you're feeling better five, ten days down the the road, and you're sort of going back to the bottle oh. before that window even passes. So, it makes me worried you could have something like that. Uh, Alcoholics are sort of uncanny in how they can tolerate this, though. That's one of the ways they're able to maintain their illness. Uh, worry about your thiamine. You know, take, th take vitamin B supplements, take thiamine supplement, take magnesium supplement. Uh, I worry about your brain after mm -hmm. all that exposure to alcohol. I mean, the, there's a lot Plus of the, the sleep. Right, you said you said the sleep, sleep thing is, is five to seven days, and you're yeah. not and you're reloading you're after never five. Going back. So. Sleep, sleep's gonna be a mess. 
But it, the direct effects of the alcohol that, at that level of consumption, even with the days in between, it's pretty nasty what it does to the brain and the liver. Okay? I worry about you. Okay. But I'll be fine to just quit it like cold turkey and... I would worry. I would. I would. I can do that. That's one of the. It's one of the problems with being a binge alcoholic. You you convince yourself that you can control it because you sort of are controlling it, except you're really not. And so, yeah, if you can go three months without drinking, do so. But after a couple weeks, you're going to find yourself Mm -hmm. kind of drifting. I suspect. My in terms of real seizure risk, I worry about a week after. That's when I worry that's gonna that risk might be a bit higher and you might want to talk their doctor can give you certain things to kind of mitigate that risk that particularly if you're gonna be driving a vehicle you might want to talk to him or her about so been great to meet you yeah thanks for having me uh, please say hi to kelsey i will absolutely she's one of our favorites here perfect uh, and even though she kicked max ass so badly with i feel humiliated to this day you shouldn't because she kicks everyone's ass just so violent she's so so aggressive yeah so but she's so talented yeah every every flick of the wrist is a score and it's just passing from bar to bar i've never seen anything like she didn't have to pass with me she's (laughs) just like right right into the goal and so there we are. Uh, but anyway, what's coming up again? Tell them again where to go see the specials and the, the uh, album. You can uh, go to YouTube. My special Mixed Reviews is on there right now. I have four other specials on there. You can just keep uh, watching all day if you want. Yeah. Do so. We'll see you soon, Chad. Thank you. Thanks. All conversations and information exchanged during participation of the Dr. Drew After Dark podcast or interaction on the drdrew.com website is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Do not confuse this with treatment or physician medical advice or direction per se. You must always follow your medical professional's advice and direction. Nothing on these podcasts or posted on this site supplements or supersedes the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Please understand, I am not playing the role of physician in this environment per se. I'm educating. I am a licensed physician with specialty boards in American Board of Internal Medicine and American Board of Addiction Medicine.